Hello and welcome to the Living Wholeheartedly podcast. My name is Heather Morris and I'm the General Secretary of the Methodist Church in Ireland. As a connection, as a church family, we're committed to living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. In this podcast series, to which we hope you will subscribe, we're going to hear and tell stories. We're going to have honest conversations about what wholehearted Christian faith looks like today. A faith that is lived out in the real world every day. A faith that doesn't shy away from hard questions. A faith that's committed to working for change where there's injustice or poverty or lack of opportunities. Living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. You're welcome to the Living Wholeheartedly podcast. today is the Most Reverend Pat Storey, who's the Bishop of Meath and Kildare. Pat, you're really welcome. Uh, it's great to be able to have this conversation. Uh, as you know, we're thinking as the Methodist Church in Ireland about living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. Can you tell us in that context a bit about you and your faith journey and what living wholeheartedly looks like for you? Certainly, Heather, and thank you for asking me. Um, I came up really in a, a non-churched family, uh, so when people see the collar around your neck, especially a purple one, I think they assume that you were always religious, but mm -hmm. actually we really didn't go to church at all. Um, so I went to university with a friend from the same school, and the only thing I really knew about Penny was that she was a Christian, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, she's going to cramp my style, that's not what I planned to do at university. But actually, of course, uh, she worked on me, and I met a lot of her friends, and there was just a sense that they had something that I didn't. Uh, and I don't like people having something that I don't. So uh, just very gradually, I think I started started to read the Gospels. Really, personality of Jesus sprang out to me. And I made a commitment of faith, you know, at some point in my first year. And I would say it probably felt almost an immediate call to leadership, to Christian leadership. But that didn't happen for a very long time. And so living wholeheartedly for me sometimes I feel is more successful than others um, in that I feel like I'm a, an ordinary human person with foibles and strengths and weaknesses and likewise in the job, but I bring strengths and weaknesses to it. But for me, I suppose it's about surrender yeah. and I'm not very good at surrender. Um, so that's been a real learning curve for me is, you know, um, he must increase, I must decrease. You know, that's been that's a life journey, I think. So for me, wholehearted living for Jesus is really about surrender, uh, daily surrender. So every time of a small decision, every time of a big decision, it's about just centering your life, I think, around Christ. And as I say, you know, some days that's more successful than others. <laughs> Tell us more about that, because I certainly echo with that. Um, call to surrender but the struggle with mm -hmm. it as well day by day what does that look like I suppose it's even in your relationships you know I'm sure my husband would say I needed to work on surrender <laughs> uh, you know but even in marriage you know I think you're constantly learning to surrender your own needs or opinions to someone else 
uh, and that you know that can be a struggle I give a busy timetable but uh, I have a husband I have children I have grandchildren mm-hmm. uh, and the struggle to kind of get the the time the appropriate amount of of time and commitment to them because they're really important to me and to my life but I live four hours away certainly from uh, from one child and I live <laughs> about nine and a half hours flight from the other one who's in Vancouver so it's trying to weigh up things like time commitment. You know, how do you surrender to Christ in your time commitments? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not one that says uh, I'm too busy for a day off because I just think that's I, that's not the way I want to live. That's not the way I choose to live. And I'm not sure it's scriptural. So I do try and get the day off. I do try and get the holidays and the and the headspace and the retreats. Yeah. Um so I would say in relationships and in time, uh, it's learning to surrender what you want and what you need to what you feel Christ has for you. Mm-hmm. But that includes things like family time and holidays and yeah. retreats, because if I'm not right with the Lord, I'm not really any use to anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the wholehearted living flows out of that. I yeah. Say. Yeah. So very early on, after you made a commitment, that sense of God calling you mm-hmm. to leadership. And here you are. A bishop, first woman <laughs> bishop in the Church of Ireland. What does that day-to-day life look like for you in the role of bishop? Well, it's very varied and very different. And obviously, two years of COVID have had an immense impact on that. And I, I didn't enjoy COVID. Uh, I'm an extrovert. Uh, I struggled with COVID. I kind of enjoyed the first few weeks. Mm. And then after that, I really did struggle with it because I felt like my job fell off a cliff. Okay. Because it's all about people and it's all about face to face. You go down to a parish, you have coffee after the services, you meet people, um, you go and visit different parishes every Sunday. And for a long time, even churches were closed. Mm-hmm. So I suppose for a long time, I wondered what it was for. Okay. Uh, but actually, in some ways, I reflect on that. And I think that wasn't the worst thing to sort of take strip yourself from your role and really consider um are you okay without your role? Uh-huh. So that was actually a real learning curve. You know, who am I without being bishop? Because I've been a bishop nearly nine years now and you kind of do get used to it and you get used to all that comes with that. Uh, but since COVID, beginning to go back to, I would spend maybe 20% of my time in my study preparing for things. I'd usually have a speaking engagement most weeks. Uh, I have Sundays, um, I'd have church meetings, so it's it's I love it because it's got a lot of variety. I, I just I wouldn't be able to. I admire my daughter who's a teacher who, you know, eight o'clock every morning is in the same place and four o'clock every afternoon is leaving the same place. And uh, I just I couldn't do that. You know, I just I love being out and about. I love waking up in the morning and thinking, you know, if I have a free day, like what will I do with today? So very low boredom threshold, I'm afraid, <laughs> which is both good and bad. And just leadership ripped through you. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking at you and the role you've had and the influence you've had that's so clear that that's God's gift what are your what are your dreams for the diocese yeah I mean leadership is an interesting one isn't it because it doesn't take away from the fact that you're basically pastor to the pastors and that that'd be really important to me and I hope that they would know that that's my first priority because um being a parish minister is it's no picnic no And I remember it because, you know, that's what I was doing whenever I was pulled out of that to Mm -hmm. be a bishop. And I I loved it. But it's very demanding. Um, And so who cares for the pastors if, you know, the bishop doesn't? So one of my priorities would be definitely, you know, caring for caring for the pastors. And I suppose I would feel that um, my call to leadership is pastoral, but it's also to lead a diocese somewhere. Mm -hmm. So. 
I'd like it to go from A to B. I might know what B is okay. necessarily. And that's a sort of a weekly, monthly thing about discerning God's will for the diocese. Like every church in the land, the impact of COVID has been smaller congregations, uh, lower finances. You know, there are real challenges ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly young families, and, you know, you can't blame them. They've woken up on a Sunday morning and discovered having hot chocolate in their jammies with their kids watching church online is actually very attractive. Yes. We've got to make something that wants them, you know, that they want, they want to come back. Um, but I think there's lots of hope. I really do. I'm very optimistic about the church. Yes. And one of the reasons is because the church isn't mine. The church is the church of Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. he's looked after it for a long time. So I don't feel a burden about the church, but I do feel a call. And I think those two things actually are really very different. I'm not anxious about the church, but I realize that, you know, I have a calling and a vocation um, to help alongside others to, to lead the diocese forward. So I think at the minute, you know, I find before the summer clergy are very tired yeah. and traumatized by COVID. So we're, you know, we left it for the summer to kind of regather ourselves, I think, and um, November, we have a clergy conference and, and we'll maybe begin then small steps of, so how do we move forward here? It's treating people as human beings who, you know, have needs and families of their own, mm -hmm. but also people who also have a vocation to lead forward Christ Church. So we do have a responsibility to think, OK, where is B and we're at A and how do we get from A to B? Uh, and I think that'll be the first step is beginning to look ahead, but but maybe gently this time. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that picture of not having a burden and having hope. That yeah. really is transformative, yeah. actually. Yes. Uh, whatever our role and, and calling, where do you see the glimmers of hope? In people and in parishes on the ground, you know, people who have dealt with, for instance, bereavement through COVID and maybe haven't had uh, the death of a parent or a sibling or a child and a funeral of the same that they would like and that they would have hoped for, and the immense strength and resilience of people mm -hmm. who've really not even been able maybe to be with a parent when they died. My dad died just bef 10 days before COVID, uh, 10 days before lockdown. So grateful, but they didn't live to see this because it would have been very difficult to try and navigate that. Mm -hmm. But also that, you know, I got the death and funeral I would have wanted for him. Yeah. But for a lot of people, that has taken immense strength and resilience. And I see, uh, you know, faith can go either way in those situations, can't mm -hmm. it? People can either feel a, a certainly a temporary rejection of God because of their suffering, but a lot of people cling to God in difficult times. And I've seen people, and you know, clergy reinvent themselves. You know, maybe people who weren't strong in IT uh, having to reinvent themselves with online worship and that sort of thing. And there's been a lot of good learning. There's been a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. but there's been a lot of good learning. Uh, and so I see the glimmers of hope in parishes that are beginning now to have their coffees after church, beginning to reach out again, beginning to have their mums and toddlers or their food banks or even their, you know, their parish sales or, you know, life beginning to like God lighting a wee bit of a flare again. Absolutely, absolutely. And the living wholeheartedly coming out of that. Mm. Tell us, if you would, a bit of the personal bit. So, um, you know, you and I can chat in a context like this about living wholeheartedly, mm. um, but sometimes that's really tough. Mm. Have there been times when living wholeheartedly has been tough for you as Pat? 
Yeah, there have. Um, and as I say, particularly through COVID, um, I found it really challenging not to have access to people mm-hmm. and not to have access to family. So there's about six months during the second uh, tranche of COVID where I couldn't get up north. You know, we, we had a two kilometer uh, limitation uh, where you were walking the same walks for months or it felt like that anyway. Uh, but you didn't I didn't have access to family. And I suppose I was struck by the fact that leadership is sacrificial, Okay, you know, that we move where we're called. And that's actually not always easy. And when I moved from Derry, I left behind uh, my, my daughter and son who were, my, my son was finishing off a master's. My daughter had just got married. They were dairy based. They say I left home, not them. And that's mm-hmm. true. Um, and not realizing maybe at the time what a sacrifice that would be. But during COVID, that was kind of like a big red flag in terms of, do you know, God has has chosen you to live this life. But actually, it's not all a picnic. It's not all fun and games. There are really difficult times. So um, I think that during COVID, that really came home to me that that actually ministry is a sacrifice of a particular kind. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how you live that and live it. And going back to what you said earlier about that lack of burden, which comes mm-hmm. from trust in God, yeah. you know, that the church belongs to Jesus, mm-hmm. it's his church, and living that out then personally as well. Yes, yeah. is, is that daily surrender, isn't yes. it? It's that the family are his too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm not given to anxiety, fortunately, but certainly there were times when you know I felt like my f- five year old grandson. It would have been nice to see him that maybe you know first day at school and all that, and you just feel like sometimes you miss a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not easy. It's not easy for a mum, and it's not easy for a granny. You know, you want to be there. Uh, you want to be there for the first steps and the big and the big deals. And I'm a real family person. Uh, and even though my son's in Vancouver, um, you know, for three years running now, I've had to postpone that trip. And, you know, that's really difficult too. It's like, uh, yeah, it's definitely not all fun and games. Living wholeheartedly for Jesus doesn't mean that every day you're walking along, skipping and singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's real. Uh, but to me, leadership isn't a burden. You know, because I'm not given to anxiety, it's not a burden, but I take it very seriously. So tell me, I want to know how you do that day by day. You know, is that about a pattern of a prayer life? Mm-hmm. You mentioned retreats earlier mm-hmm. on. How do you make sure that it is that yeah. wholehearted living that that's upfront about the joys yeah. and the struggles? Is that about a pattern of life, Pat? Or what's for you? I, th- I think partly. Um I'm not very good at sitting still. <laughs> so for me, uh, a lot of prayer goes on when I'm walking, driving and swimming because I just like movement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though I, I hurt my back a couple of years ago when they were saying, you know, you need to do Pilates. Well, I just find it so boring because it was, you know, there were stretches and, you know, I'm sure it's very good for you. It is very good. But it wasn't for me. Person. I would rather be swimming. You know, right. I'd rather, I just like movement. Um, but COVID it was good for me in one sense in that I started every morning. We have a, a wee blue chair by a window mm-hmm. and I started every morning for a good, had slow mornings, which I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. So we got up, didn't shower, didn't get dressed, had my breakfast in that wee blue chair, probably sat for an hour. And that instilled a pattern on me that I have continued. And it's not that I didn't do that before, but it was shorter and faster because okay. I was going out somewhere. But that taught me to slow down and to really think and pray. So I've tried to continue that pattern. But I think, you know, I do think that walking and swimming and driving seem to be the times when I really feel 
like I, I like to be alone. I like my own company. Mm -hmm. And they're, those are usually in my own company when I can really think and pray and hear, hopefully listen. So, yeah, there is a pattern, but it's not necessarily sitting in a chair all right. the time. Um, a lot of my prayer life, I don't read the scriptures when I'm driving. I'm sure you'd be glad to know. <laughs> uh, but um, a lot of my prayer life is daily movement. So 20 times a day when I'm doing something else. Exactly. Uh, but that's just the way. I rule. <laughs> it's, great. it's great. And that's what living wholeheartedly looks like. Yeah. And that's one of the things we've been thinking about, you know, as individuals in a church and as churches and as a church that actually living wholeheartedly will look like different things yes. in different contexts and in different personalities. And that's all yeah. right. And it's yeah. allowing people that. That's it. And, you know, that's why retreats are very challenging for me, but also very important because that's the time I slow down mm -hmm. and I stop. And so I try and plan in a good sort of three day retreat twice a year. Uh, and those are just those are bliss. Yeah. And even though I don't want to slow down when I do, I just get so much from it because I don't normally do it. So, uh, yes. you know, I really do. Uh, my, my retreats are sacrosanct. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. So we've thought about the personal and you've helped us to think a bit about churches and those signs of hope. Um, and as we think about sort of congregation, societies, our language, Pat, you know, across the island of Ireland, as they begin to re-engage that process you've talked about, we've been thinking about, well, what, what are the barriers? What are the things that hold us back? Mm -hmm. What's your view on that? Are there things, as you see parishes re-emerging from COVID, things that, that hold them mm -hmm. and us back? And how might we work with that? I mean, one very basic thing is money. Okay. You know, money and resources. Like we, we need those to do things. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a diocesan review a few years ago, but you know, because of COVID, we haven't really been able to do an awful lot with it. Um, but it was pointing out that really, if you do what you've always done, you get what you've always got. Exactly. <laughs> we need to do new things. Uh, so I would say, um, tiredness and fatigue post COVID, maybe lack of money and resources. I think are some of the barriers or lack of imagination. But we're trying to do a few new things. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, we kind of call it Parish Plus because okay. it's not that the parish isn't enough. Uh, and it's not that we're abandoning parish by any stretch of the imagination, but it's Parish Plus. Okay. You know, what new what new little things could we do? So, you know, we've a, we've a new project in the cathedral coming and we've asked every parish to think of one new thing. Brilliant. You know, one small step, one new thing that you might do in some area of parish life. And it'll look different for everybody. We've a, we've a big mental health programme in the Church of Ireland at the minute called Mind Matters, which I am fortunate enough to chair because um, I really care about mental health. And I think that that's one of the things that uh, some of the parishes we'll be doing would be centering on mental health, maybe having a small mental health project that might look like a walk every week Great. with other people. You know, it might be very small and seem very insignificant, but actually for a lot of people, it, it, it is life giving. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, there are lots of challenges, but I think lots of opportunities, but it's like having, like I, I need as a diocesan leader to have the money and resources to help that mm -hmm. um but i also need people to be creative and inventive in their own space it's not for me to say you and tullamore should do this and you and mullingar should do that and in navan you have to do that it's for them to work that out for them what living wholeheartedly looks like for them that's it which is challenge and opportunity isn't mm -hmm. it that's one of the things we're discovering that it's far easier to lift a plan off a shelf isn't yeah. it and actually discerning what god is mm -hmm. calling us to in our different contexts is really exciting mm -hmm. but also takes the time and prayer and mm -hmm. reflection that you've uh, been talking about and the leadership to enable that as well mm -hmm. 
talked about dreams for diocese, dreams for church, and you're a partnership person too, and mm-hmm. and and working with others in in all sorts of different ways. And one of our denominations are are working together mm-hmm. in covenant. Um, I am grateful for personal friendship yeah, with you absolutely. and sparking <laughs> lots of ideas and that. Talk to me about dreams for the church beyond even Church of Ireland. What would you love to see? Mm, uh, well, I'm I'm just back from the Lambeth conference. You yes. know where 650 bishops spent two weeks together from all over the world and I suppose it was realising how different the church is in other places and how much I take for granted as well so in the west you know I met for instance the bishop of the Amazon who happens to be a woman and she was just saying you know takes her three days by boat to get anywhere she's fighting off wild animals and pirates (laughs) and I'm thinking Meath and Kildare is looking better all the time Uh, so just realising that the church is different in every context and in many ways we're blessed in the West and yet you know it is sometimes the African and Central American churches that are growing Mm -hmm. so again living wholeheartedly looks different for every church every denomination every part of the Anglican communion for us um I suppose the key thing is that we're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what that looks like. And my, and my my hope is that we are living wholeheartedly for Christ and that we are surrendering to his will and his voice and that we are listening to that voice in whatever context we're in. And that might seem like a cop out because I don't have a strategic plan for that. But it's just hoping and praying that in partnership, because we are all in partnership for the gospel, you know, that that living wholeheartedly and surrender and hopes for the future is something that we share and that if we share it, there's the impetus to do something together. Absolutely. And I love what you've just said about just doing it Mm -hmm. and doing it. I think that people of peace and you do know actually those contexts Mm -hmm. where we're being called to partner and just get on with this for the transformation of the world and for Jesus' glory. Yeah, yeah. Pat, thank you so much. I really appreciate of the conversation you're more than welcome and, uh, thank you for for this today and uh, thank you for for joining us and listening or watching to this podcast uh, can i encourage you as i've done before to subscribe so that you can follow on with the other conversations which will uh, follow on from this uh, throughout the year as we help each other as we partner with each other in living wholeheartedly uh, but as i uh, finish can i pray for you That'd and be lovely. for the things that have come up thank, thank you. you so much Loving God, we're so grateful to you for uh, the privilege of of partnership in the gospel. Uh, So grateful to you for what you're doing uh, across the world, uh, whether that's in the Amazon uh, or Meath and Kildare or across uh, other parts of the island of Ireland. And today we pray for your blessing for Pat as she continues uh, to lead, that you would bless and inspire her that you would lead her uh, clearly as she leads and works with others. We pray for your blessing on uh, the diocese that she serves and on the Church of Ireland. And we surrender ourselves into your hands, that today, in all that we are, the love and beauty of Jesus might be seen. And Lord, as we live surrendered lives, Our prayer is that we would be enabled by your Spirit to live wholeheartedly for your glory, that the world might know that Jesus Christ is Lord. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen.